Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm A.J. Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Join my VIP program, Speak English Powerfully. Speak English Confidently. Speak English Fluently. Think in English. Train. Commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. This is a very good time of year to start. Really commit you will have English success, speaking success this year. But you've got to commit. You've got to train each day. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Okay. We're live on Facebook for another live book club show. Oh, this chapter, I don't, it doesn't really have a chapter number. This, um, it's part three of the book. The book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's still our same book. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The writer, Stephen Covey. And now we're doing the second half of the book. We are starting part three. Part one was the introduction to the whole book. Right? Part two was called Private Victory. It was about, you know, really independence, about focusing on yourself as an individual. And that had three chapters, habit number one, habit number two, habit number three. So now we're starting the second part, the second half. It says part three, but it's really the second half of the book. And it's about, you know, the first half is about yourself as an individual. It's really about you, one person, looking inside, right? Self-improvement. The second part now, the next three habits, habits number four, five, and six, are it's called public victory. So that means now we're dealing with other people. Now it's taking these skills, taking your habits, and becoming effective with other people. So first you become effective for yourself. Then now we're going to deal with other people, which of course requires different skills. So today we are not talking about habit four. We're just going to do the introduction to these habits, introduction to the public habits, introduction to the social habits. All right. And of course, everybody's saying hello from all the different countries. So let me just read some of your hellos so you can see all the international effortless English family. Hello from Malaysia. Great country. I've been there. India. Also great. Brazil. Indonesia, Kurdistan, Tata, hello, some familiar names, of course, Germany, Egypt, Asma, hello, Ukraine, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, Rafikos, lots of uh, Russia and France, Tata from Russia and France, yay. Is it France? Yeah, Russia and France. Vladislav, hey, Vladislav, so... 
Good to see you. Lots of our regular viewers. Emmanuel, hello. Ramesh Minasivak from India. Another France. Poland, Enuta. Iraq. Brazil, living in London. <laughs> Sudan. Italia, Italy. Another India. Georgia, Georgia the country, I am guessing. Jaipur, India, I've been there. Kurdistan, again. Ukraine, again. Iran. Japan, hello. I'm in Japan also. So that's two for Japan. Even though, of course, I'm not Japanese. Ukraine, Turkey, India, Egypt. Wow, lots of countries. Singapore, Romania, Kazakhstan, Singapore again. Woo, okay. Lots of countries. Somalia. So we got all the different continents. Fantastic. Bulgaria. Great. Hello to everybody. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to our live show. All right. So that's the big long list of countries. Let's get started. As usual, I will read through the chapter, summarize the main ideas, right? tell you the main ideas that I think are the main ideas, the important ideas. And I'll also give you my personal opinions about the chapter and about these ideas. Then I'll come back and I'll read the live comments and questions and get your ideas, your thoughts, and your questions. That's how we do it in the Effortless English Book Club. Let's begin, shall we? Okay, it says part three, public victory. Of course, public means, um, right, it's the opposite of private. Private is just your own personal life. Right, maybe you, your personal life, maybe also your family life, kind of at home. And then public is out in the world with everybody. So we already talked about private victory, you know, be proactive, uh, begin with the end in mind, uh, first things first, all these kind of internal personal success ideas before. Now we're going to talk about how do we deal with other people. It's a, it's a challenge sometimes. Okay, the chapter begins... Paradigms of interdependence. There's that word. Now, paradigms has a strange... It's another one of these English words with a weird spelling. It looks like it should be paradigms. <laughs> but that's not how you pronounce it. It's pronounced paradigms. Paradigms are kind of uh, theories, beliefs, mindsets, strategies even. So we're talking about interdependence. Now, that's an interesting word. We have independence. Independence means, means self-reliance, right? You can take care of yourself. You're independent. We have dependence. Dependence. That means you cannot take care of yourself. It means you need someone else to take care of you. Small children, for example, are dependent. That's the adjective. They're dependent, right? Small children cannot survive by themselves. They're dependent. Adults, usually, hopefully, are independent. Well, the next level is now called inter. Inter means between. I-N-T-E-R. Interdependence. Between. Interdependence means the... It means cooperation, really. It means you have... A lot of individuals, independent individuals, right? Independent people, adults. But they're not alone. 
They're working together, helping each other, supporting each other. You know, like a team, like a family, like a whole nation, a company. That's interdependence. Working together with other people. Okay, so he starts the chapter. He says, interdependence, which is our topic today, can only be built on a foundation of true independence. What does that mean? He's saying that independence must come first. First, you must be able to take care of yourself. You must be a strong person. You must be effective. You must be successful individually, yourself. You must be able to take care of yourself. You must be an adult, right? Little children, little children cannot cooperate very well, right? If you imagine like a five-year-old child, a three-year-old child, they're not good at being on teams, right? They're, they, they, they're dependent, so they can't really contribute much to a team at that age. They're too dependent. To help a team, to help a group, really you have to, ha you have, to have some independence first so that you can add something to the group. You can help the group. So each member can add something. That's why he says that independence, true independence, is the foundation. It means it's kind of, it's, you build on top of that. So first comes independence, take care of yourself, you know, your health, your mental health, your, uh, your mindset, all of those things. Then you focus on the group. He says this more in a more simple way. In the next section, he says, you cannot be successful, you can't be successful with other people if you haven't, you have not paid the price of success with yourself. First, you have to pay the price of success for yourself, develop yourself. Then you can be successful with other people because then they will respect you. Then they will want to work with you, trust you. Makes sense. It's pretty clear if you think about it. Let's keep going. Next section. Basically, he's saying the same thing again in this three times. Then here, Here's another way to say it. Self-mastery and self-discipline are the foundation of good relationships with other people. That's also a nice way to say it. Self-mastery, you're the master of yourself. And self-discipline, you have self-control, right? You're the ma you master. You control your own emotions, your own thoughts, your body, all of that. You're, uh, you're disciplined and you have self-control. That's the foundation. That's the key to good relationships. And I agree completely. He's right. Here, he says it. Here's another way to say it. If you don't control yourself, if you don't master yourself, it's very hard to like yourself. And it's very hard to deal with other people. I think you can kind of see this, right? You know, if you have good self-control, then you can kind of control your communication with other people. You can do a good job. But what if you don't? For example, maybe you have no control over your emotions. So if you get angry, you start screaming, ah, ah, and you just, you go crazy every time you get upset or angry. 
well, what's going to happen? Will you have good relationships? No, other people will not like that. Other people will very quickly get annoyed and get angry at you. They'll get tired of you yelling and screaming and acting like a child. They will not want to work with you. They will not want to have a relationship with you. They will not want to be friends with you if you have no self-control and you act like a small child. People don't like that. So, and you can see then, right, the, that the more you have that self-control, the more you have that calm confidence, other people will trust you more. Other people will like you more. That's what he's saying. Okay, so next he says that we're kind of going back this next uh, section. We're, he's talking back again about the introduction to the book. He talks about character again. Character is kind of what, you know who you are inside, really. He says techniques and skills um, that really make a difference, that really help in human interaction, communication, are the ones that naturally flow from a truly independent character. That's another long sentence. What does it mean? What he's saying is that um, a lot, many times people want to learn um, like tricks, basically tricks, little techniques, little secrets, little tips to persuade other people, to make friends, to be a good leader right for public speaking all of these things and they and there are many little techniques you can do you can use little you know you can say things a certain way you can use your body a certain way there's lots of little tricks and things you can do and some of these techniques are very useful and some of them are good but he's saying that the techniques work better they're more powerful if on the inside, you are strong and good and honest. If you have good character. If you have good character, then the techniques will be much more effective because people will feel your true self. They'll trust you because of that. On the other hand, if your technique is good, but your character is bad, there's, it's, it's you know who you are inside is not really good, you know, you, you can st maybe still sometimes you can be effective, you can be persuasive, but long term, over time, people will not trust you so much. A good example of this is kind of like um, if you imagine the uh, maybe in a movie, sometimes they'll have a salesman, right? A guy who's selling cars. The, the classic example would be someone who sells used cars, old cars. So there's kind of this idea that they're good talkers. They're really good talkers. They have good technique, good selling technique, but they're not honest, right? They're, they, they lie and they cheat people, right? They say, oh yeah, this car's great, but actually the car's not good. It's, it's broken. It has a lot of problems. And so, at least in America, in the United States, people have an idea that used car salesmen are not trustworthy, that you can't trust them, that they, they don't tell the truth. So some of them are still good at selling, but it's, it, their job is more difficult now because now people don't trust them because so many of them lied and cheated 
now they have a reputation where lots of people don't trust them and people are very suspicious about them. And so this makes it very difficult to be a good salesman selling used cars now. It's still possible, but it shows you the problem. If you might have good technique, but if the character's bad, eventually people stop trusting you. And I agree with him. I agree with what Stephen Covey's saying. Yes, it's true. Okay, now we're coming back to another idea. And this is kind of a nice idea. It's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor. But he, he says, when you think about relationships, think with other people. Imagine you have a bank account with them. A bank account. He calls it the emotional bank account. Emotional bank account. He says, an emotional bank account is a metaphor that describes the amount of trust, the amount of trust that is in a relationship. That's interesting. So he says, imagine that with every person, every other person in your life, you, you have a, a bank account, an emotional bank account. But it doesn't have money, of course, it's not a real bank account. Instead of money, instead of dollars, you have trust. You have trust. So if you have, a, let's say you have a friend, a friendship, you and one person, and they're your friend. If you have a lot of trust, it means your emotional bank account is very full, very big. There's a lot of trust. Your friend trusts you a lot. They really, really, really trust you. On the other hand, imagine you have someone else, a different friend, but they don't trust you. Maybe so you've had bad problems with them in the past. But for some reason, your emotional bank account is low with them. So they don't trust you very much. Probably you have a, that relationship is not so good. Probably you have a lot of problems with them because the emotional bank account is weak. So he says, when the trust account is high, communication is easy. So this is the kind of the point he's getting, he's saying, and why this is important in talking about character and trust. So that, again, if you imagine these two people, one friend, they trust you, right? You're very, very, very close. You trust them very much. You have a long friendship and you have a lot of trust with each other. Then you have another friend, your, your friend also, but very low trust. You don't trust them so much. They don't trust you. So he's saying the difference is this, you can use the same techniques, you can use the same communication. You might even maybe say exactly the same words, the same phrases. You might do the same actions with each one, but you get a different result. With the person, when you have a lot of trust, you have a great relationship, it's easy to communicate because they trust you, right? So. If you say something, maybe you're in a bad mood one day and you just kind of, you're not, you're not, you're not mean, you're, you're not bad, but maybe you're just not very friendly with them one time. With your really, really, really good friend, uh, they're okay. They're, they'll forgive you. They're, oh, well, you know, he's just in a bad mood. Maybe he's tired. No problem. Because you have a big emotional bank account with them. You have a lot of trust. So no problem. It's something small like that is no problem. But on the other hand, imagine the other friend, low trust. 
And if you do the same thing, maybe you're just in a bad mood and you, you don't, you're not very friendly to them one time. You're just in a, you know, you're just tired. They, because they don't trust you so much, because your relationship's not very good, the same exact thing, maybe they will get very upset. Maybe they will get angry, like, what's wrong with you? And then maybe you get into a big argument with them because of this. So you can kind of see, right? It's the same thing, the same action, the same experience, the same words. But if you have a lot of trust, a great relationship, it's no problem. If you have low trust, it, small things can easily become big. Small things can easily become problems. So that's what he's saying is that instead of focusing on the technique so much, focus on building the trust with your relationships. So of course, for a marriage this is very important. For friendships, this is important. Uh, at your job, this is important. With people you work with. Any important relationship, you want to build the trust higher and higher. With your children, it's important. Because when you have a high, high, high trust, a big emotional bank account, meaning a lot of positive emotion, a lot of positive feelings in your relationship, when you have that, communication is easy. Everything is easier. You have a good relationship. So it's much more effective, a much more happy relationship, right? And if you have problems, it's okay. But if, if you ignore this, if you forget this, and the positive emotion in your relationship, if it goes down, 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 right? The bank account gets smaller. Then everything becomes a problem. Right? You know this, like you can imagine, maybe you've had the experience of dating someone, right? a girl or a boy, a woman or a man. And in the beginning, everything's wonderful. Oh, they're perfect. Right? There's this high, 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 high positive emotion. So in love. And what happens? You ignore anything bad, anything negative. You ignore it. You forget, oh, it's not important. They're so wonderful. Oh, but then what happens over time, possibly over days or weeks or months or years, the emotion drops, the positive emotion gets lower, 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 lower. And then it can sometimes it gets so low that there's kind of a negative feeling there now, right? The emotional bank account is almost empty. The trust is very low. So then what happens? Then you argue all the time. That's when you see couples, they, they argue about just stupid, stupid things, right? Just small, small, stupid things. But they'll argue and argue and fight about it constantly. They'll have an argument over some little small thing for an hour and get very upset and angry. And it's so stupid. It seems stupid on the outside. You look and you think, this is crazy. Or maybe it happens to you. Maybe this happened to you, right? If Maybe with an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend. Maybe this has happened to you. You've experienced this where you would argue and argue and argue and argue and argue and then finally you broke up. And you look back and you think, oh, many of those arguments were so small and stupid. But that's why. Because the emotional bank account was, it got too low. So very interesting. So then he says, well, if you think about this, this idea of an emotional bank account, how do you keep it high? Because, you know, in life we have problems, in life we have arguments, in life there will sometimes have problems, and this will make the 
kind of the positive emotion drop a little bit. So you you need to constantly be adding positive. He calls it a deposit, like a bank account, right? You're putting the money in. Well, with relationships, it means you frequently need to put positive feelings, trust into the relationship. You need to add good experiences. You need to add trust. You need to add good positive emotions to your relationship so that it always stays high. It always stays good and positive. If you forget to add, then eventually those little things will drop, 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 drop. All those little problems in life will make it slowly get worse. Good idea. Okay, then now he gives examples of how, how do you do this? How? <clears throat> A little water, excuse me. So how do we add positive emotion to a relationship? How do we make a deposit in this emotional bank account with another person? How do we do it? He says, number one, maybe the, the easiest one, the easiest thing you can do is just listen, just listen to the other person and try to understand them. This is actually the next chapter. It's habit number four. So he's, he's giving us a preview of habit number four. The next chapter is about this exact topic. Listen and try to understand. Seek means try to understand them. Anytime you will really listen to another person, anytime you really honestly try to understand them, even if you disagree, you are adding a lot of trust. You are adding a lot of positive emotion and feeling to that relationship. You are improving that relationship. Just doing that. And that's very easy to do. Right? You don't need to you don't need to say anything. Maybe ask a few questions, and that's all. We'll talk about it more in the next chapter. So that's one good way to improve a relationship. It's, and it's very simple. Next he um he gives us six. He calls it six major deposits. So again, deposit means adding money to an account, but we're talking about here emotion. So how to add positive emotion, positive feelings to any relationship you're with your parents, with your children, with your friends, with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, anybody. These are six ways to improve the emotion in the relationship. Number one, we just said it, understand the individual. Really try to understand them. This is probably one of the most important deposits you can make. It's very, very important. So this one, we again, next, next time we'll talk about this with more detail. Then he gives a little example. This is a nice example. He said he had a friend uh, who had a son, right, a boy. And his boy, this his friend's son, loved baseball. Baseball, baseball. Really, really, really loved baseball. So the father planned a big trip in the summer. And he took, he took his son, he traveled with his son to see every team in America play a baseball game. That's probably, I don't know how many there are, 30 or something. Something like 30 different teams. So they traveled around America to see baseball games together. 
It was a father-son trip focused on baseball. Why baseball? Because his son loved baseball. So he asked the father, Stephen Covey asked the father, "Um, do you like baseball? And the father said, no, I don't like baseball. Actually, I don't like it, but I like my son. (laughs) I love my son. So I planned this trip. I went to see all the baseball games because my son loves it. Right? He understood his son. He did what his son loved because he loved his son. And that improved their relationship a huge amount. It didn't matter. He, the father said, I don't, it doesn't matter. If, it doesn't, I don't care if I like baseball. Because my son is so excited about this. So I'm doing it with him because my son is important to me. The relationship is important to me. So it's a, that's a nice little example, right? Where you, you're not only thinking about yourself that you're, you're trying to understand the other person. And see, this is just a small thing. It's a small thing. It's just a little a hobby, just something his son liked, but it made a big difference in their relationship. You can imagine what a great trip that was for them. So, you know, who cares if the father likes baseball because the benefits of that trip were huge for him with his son, the relationship, the closeness with his son. Connected to this... All right. At the end of this, he says, yeah, this is another, um, he gives some advice to parents, a nice little uh, idiom, treat them all the same by treating them differently. <laughs> so he's saying with your children, uh, basically saying that you have to, don't treat your children all the same is what that means. It means each of your children is different. They have different hobbies. They have different strong points, strengths. They have different weaknesses. So don't do the exact same thing with each child. If you have two children or three children, understand each one as an individual so that you treat them differently. Maybe one of them is very smart and loves, loves, loves school. And maybe another one hates school and likes doing stuff with their hands and building things. Well, don't treat them exactly the same because they're not the same. They they will appreciate you and love you. You'll have a better relationship with them if you understand them as individuals. Part of this, the next way to have a deposit, attending to the little things. It means focus on little things. So this, to make a good relationship with other people, you don't have to do big, huge things. You don't have to do large things. It's actually more about doing small, little things a lot. Lots of small, little, positive things. They add up. Just like with money, right? If you constantly, every day, you're adding money to your bank account, even a little bit, it will grow and grow and grow. So it's the little things that are so important. Okay, the next way, the next way to make a good relationship with somebody, improve your relationship, the trust, keep your commitments. This means keep your promises. Keep your promises. If you promise to do something, then do it. If you it's a, this is a nice, it's, it's a good point. I mean, this is, this is how exactly you build trust, how you increase trust, right? If you say you will help somebody, then help them. If you promise to meet them and do something with them, then do it with them. And he says this is also true with your children. Don't promise your children something and then change your mind later. Be careful. Now, he says, part of this is be very careful about promises. Only make a promise if you 
will do it. So don't just suddenly make a promise. Think about it first. Think before you make a promise. And then when you make a promise, do it. Always do it. It's a good point. Okay, here's another one. He says another way to build trust is be loyal to those who are not present. This this means don't gossip. Don't gossip. Don't say bad things about other people when they're not there. Don't do that. Why not? Because, he said, if you do that, people will stop trusting you because they will imagine, ah, when I'm not here, he's probably saying bad stuff about me too. So don't talk badly about other people if they're not there. If you have something to say, then say it to them directly. But don't gossip, basically. Don't gossip. This will help build trust in all of your relationships. Also good advice. Another one, apologize when you really make a mistake. When you honestly really make a mistake, you do something wrong, don't try to pretend that you didn't. Don't make an excuse. Uh, don't try to lie about it. Don't try to hide it. Just be direct and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's actually very easy. This was a habit I developed, actually. I don't know, maybe if I got it from this book a long time ago. But um, many years ago when I was young, you know, I decided to do this uh, and follow this habit. It's like, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'll make mistakes in life. If I make a mistake, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, look, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. I'm not going to make a big excuse. I'm not going to try to explain why I, why I made the mistake, why I was wrong, and blah, 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 and try to defend myself a lot. It's just a waste of energy. There's no need to do it. Look, if you, if, if you did something wrong, and if you know it was wrong, and you feel it was wrong inside you, you know, in your heart, you know, I, I was just wrong. Just say it. It's no big deal. Just say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Very simple. Simple and direct. You don't need to try to defend yourself. People and people will appreciate that. When they when you say that, most people, especially people who like you, <laughs> will just say, oh, okay. You know, and then that then it's done. But if you try to argue about it, oh well, you know, I did this, I, I made a mistake because, 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 then people get angry because they know you're you were wrong. You know you were wrong. But you're making excuses because, 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 because. And then other people will start arguing back with you. And it actually hurts the trust. You don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes. You can just say, I was wrong. Like sometimes, like maybe if I'm tired, I get in a bad mood. So it happens. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, let's say I, and I'm just kind of grumpy. I mean, I'm in a bad mood with my wife. It happens sometimes. So... When I realize it, after I feel better and I realize it, you know, I don't try to make a big excuse about it. I just say, oh, I'm sorry I was in such a bad mood. I apologize. I'm sorry. That's it. That's it. I don't, I don't have to explain, well, it's because I didn't get enough sleep last night and then I was hungry and then this happened and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we might talk about that later, but in the beginning, I just say, you know, I'm, I was in a bad mood. I'm sorry. That's it. That's it. And then it's, 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 it, try it. It works much better. <laughs> okay. People respect that more. 
and it it just solves it much faster. And then you don't need to worry. You don't, you don't fear mistakes. Okay, it's it happens. You know, you, sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you make mistakes. All right, moving forward. Yeah, mostly he's just telling some stories, so I'm not. I'm kind of skipping that. Okay, the next section he talks about, he specifically talks about parents and children. And uh, and he also talks about the general idea that uh, with relationships with other people, especially parents and children, that you can see problems as opportunities. Problems can become opportunities. Problems with them can become opportunities to improve your relationship. So the, the, he gives an example of parents and children that sometimes when we have a, a child has a problem, uh, maybe their grades in school are not so good. Uh, maybe they're having a behavior problem, whatever it is. Instead of getting upset about that, you sh- maybe you can get excited about it because it's a chance for you to improve your relationship with them. It's a chance to improve your communication. It's a chance, it's an opportunity to try to understand them better. So you try to listen to them and you observe them and watch them and you do your best to understand them. And then when you can really, you understand them, they feel you understand them, then you work with them to solve the problem together. That process will make you closer. That process will add positive emotion. That process will build trust. So at the end of solving that problem, you will have a better relationship with your child. That's what he means. And of course, it's not just parents and children. This is the same idea with any relationship with another person. That if you have a problem in the relationship, it can actually make the relationship stronger. It's possible. If you solve the problem together, at the end, you'll be stronger. Okay, and that is the end of our chapter. All right, good. I'll come to the comments and questions. Just a a quick comment. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Connected to this idea, that last idea. You know, one of the best, one of the very best ways to uh, make a stronger connection with another person is one of the best, in my experience, in my life, one of the best ways is to gather with them, together with them, do something difficult, solve a problem, go through a difficult, challenging experience together. It will bring you closer. Uh, easy example of this was is my friend, um, my friend Joe, Joe Weiss. We uh, walked the Camino de Santiago together across Spain, a 30-day trip. And, you know, there were parts of it that were challenging. We had some problems. He and I are very, very different people, very different. So we had some, uh, you know, a few times where we got a little annoyed with each other. We had some just differences in opinion about where we wanted to stay and just uh, nothing too big, but things like that. And also we had to deal with being tired. Uh, and then on the on the positive side too, we just, we, we had to overcome some challenges, some very long days, some hard, long walks where 
we were very tired, where it was hot, we didn't have enough water, and we did it together. But at the end of the whole experience, you know, a, a year later, two years later, three years later, we were much better friends. We're stronger now. We have a better relationship now together. We're closer because we shared that challenging experience together. It's the same in a marriage with my wife. You know, we've been through a lot of challenging experiences. Uh, our beginning of our marriage was very tough. We had no, no money at all. We were living in a tiny little apartment and a kind of a, the neighborhood was not very good. And we had all kinds of problems and challenges for many years in the beginning. But because we kept going and we solved the problems together, eventually, now we have a much stronger relationship because of that. So this is what he's talking about. Often by doing difficult things together, then you learn how to work together with someone else. You learn how to trust each other. It's, you know, you don't really trust people when everything's easy. If everything's easy, then you really don't know. Can you trust them? Every, you know, everybody is nice when, it, when things are easy. Everything's nice during success. You know, friends are always going to be great when everything's wonderful. But what about when things are difficult? What about when there are problems? What about when there are big challenges to overcome? That's when you learn who can I trust? Who can you trust? And also, who can you not trust? You know, I've had this experience also in my life where I had friends and then there was a difficult problem in my life. Maybe I had a problem. Maybe I had a low point in my life. And I learned I could not trust them. When I had a hard time, they just left. They, wouldn't, they didn't help me. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to do anything. Only when everything was great. And I realized, these people, this is not a real friend. This is not a real friend. And I'm not friends with them anymore. So that, that's also something that's good to learn. So it's good, that you're, it's good to have your relationships tested. It's good to test those relationships. Go through some difficult times because then you can get rid of the bad ones that you can't trust. And at the same time, you actually make the good ones stronger and stronger and stronger. So don't be afraid of those tough times in relationships. They can actually be you know, fantastic experiences that bring you closer together. All right, I'm going to drink a little water and then it's time for your comments and questions. Okay. Let's go. Okay, oh, here we go. So Dalal starts us off here. Many people pretend nowadays, and the reality is awful with these people. These people have two faces, the kind one and the bad one. Right. That's an, that's an idiom, by the way, in English. Two-faced. You can describe a person. They are two-faced with a D. F-A-C-E-D. Two-faced. Two-faced means they're not honest. They show you a happy face, but the real face is bad. Right? Their character is not good. Well, you are correct. It's not just nowadays, this is human nature, that this has always been true. And this is why, again, what I was just saying, it's actually very good in any, with friendships, with uh, dating relationships, with marriages, 
even with your children, all these business relationships, it's good to face problems together, face challenges together. That's when you learn the true face. Not when everything's great. When everything's great, you will not see the true face usually. But when things are tough, when things are bad, that's when you find out, ah, this is the real friend, this is not. This is a great relationship. This is maybe not such a good relationship. Ah, this girlfriend, she's the one? Eh, no, she's not the one. <laughs> okay? This is how you find out. So, you know, I would recommend don't marry someone until you face some problems together. Got to test it. It's the same for fair. It's fine. You know, you might have friends who are, you just go do stuff with them. They're not close friends. But for your real close friends, you only find out after difficulty and problems. That's when you know. Okay, from Emmanuel. Hello, Emmanuel. I, okay, I totally agree with you, dear coach. Most people I've noticed are not trustworthy. My friends, for example, has, uh, my friend, for example, has been close to some peers. At first, they were very ecstatic, very happy in the beginning. But then eventually, they blew him off, means they ignored him. Never responding to his messages and made my friend feel more miserable. Do you think it's better to not trust anyone nowadays? Because nowadays your parents are the most loyal as opposed to other people. Well, I think there's a middle. I think um, it's not on or off, trust or no trust. There are levels of trust, I would say. That, that's, my, that's how I think about it. So there are people in your life, your parents, for example, hopefully, your brothers and sisters, hopefully, if you're lucky, a few friends who are very, very close. You have a high, high, high level of trust. Like imagine like it's one to 10. 10 is the highest. So maybe you have a 10 with some of those people. But then when you first meet new people, I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to have a bad attitude with them. You can trust them a little bit, right? You trust them enough to meet with them. They seem friendly. Okay, you give them a little bit of trust. But then you have to test it, right? You test it with time, always with time. So this is, and then over time, what happens? Then you start to find out the truth about the relationship and about them. So then over time, if you're lucky with a few people, the trust will go up and up and up. And with a lot of people, you'll start, you know, with kind of a medium trust, but then over time, it's going to drop. So like with your friend, it's, it's dropping, right? It started high and then it dropped. You know, I, I would say it's okay. It's just sort of, it happens. It's natural, right? Um, sometimes I feel if it starts too high, yeah, then it's, it's, it's not quite natural, right? I'll give you the perfect example of this uh, for traveling when I've traveled internationally. Uh, occasionally traveling in some cities in the world, some places, uh, you will travel and you'll be walking. You're a tourist, right? You look different than the local people. And it's very common. You're in a city, you're a tourist, and some guy, usually a guy, sometimes it's a woman, but 
but let's say guy. Some guy will walk up to you and say, hey, how you doing, my friend? And shake your hand and, oh, wow, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from America. Oh, I really like America. I have a friend in America. And they're super, 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 super friendly. Should you trust them? No! <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I have learned this the very hard way <laughs> uh, that... Don't You absolutely do not trust someone. That's very unnatural. It's very, very unnatural for a total stranger on the street to come up to you and be so, so, so super, super friendly. Why are they doing that? It's not natural. You have no relationship. There's no reason for that high level of friendliness and trust. You know, maybe, maybe they're just super nice. You know, it's possible. It's possible they're just a very nice person. And they really are, you know, maybe they lived in America and they're just excited to see a foreigner. That's possible, but the, in my experience, usually no. Usually they're trying to cheat you. Usually they're going to try to sell you something or cheat you or steal from you or maybe even something worse. So in those situations where the, the person, the trust starts off super high and you don't know them at all, that's a good signal. It's a good sign. Be careful. So when that happens, my trust drops to about zero, <laughs> okay? If someone just comes up on, to me on the street, I don't know them, and they're just trying to talk, 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 I do not trust them at all. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yell at them or anything. I'm not rude, but I'm very careful. I don't trust them. Right? So, you know, I think we know every country, it's a little different. It depends on your culture. But there's kind of a normal level for strangers when you first meet people, right? There's kind of the, a, somewhere in the middle where you're not rude, you're polite, but you don't trust them like close friends. You start at that level, let's call it five. We'll say it's five, level five of trust. And then with time, you see with experience, it goes up or it goes down. So that's what I would say. I say, don't, don't become too hard about people. There are good people in the world. Uh, but, you know, most people will not become your best friend. I have, uh, I don't know, I'd say two best friends in life and maybe a, a third one who's very close. That's all. And then maybe another one who's close. So two really, really, really close friends like family, two other good friends, and that's all. I'm 50 years old and there's only four people who are not my family that I trust at that level. Only two of those people do I trust the same as my family. That's all. In 50 years, I have two friends that are the same level as my family. So, you know, I don't know if it's normal or not, but the point is I, I've had a lot of other friends in my life, but very few ever get to that level. And I, But I've known those friends for years and years and years, and I've had a lot of experiences with them, and Joe is one of them. Okay. Oh, here's a nice thing from Tata about saying sorry. Saying sorry real, really heals yourself. It gives a kind of harmony because you honestly admitted your fault instead of digging it uh, deep inside and pretending nothing happened. Yes. In my case, I can't sleep knowing I hurt someone from my family or friends. That's a great way to think about it. It helps you too. Right? Because what you, you're, you're being responsible. It goes back to 
section one of this book, be proactive, right? Being the master of yourself. Well, that means that if you make a mistake, you say, okay, well, it was my mistake. And then you correct it or whatever. You don't pretend. This is how you become successful. If you ignore your mistakes, if you try to pretend and lie about them, you will then make more mistakes. You don't learn. You, nobody trusts you. This is a great way to let go even for yourself, right? If you make a mistake, when you're just totally honest about it and you just say, I'm sorry, you know, even like they'll say, like, I'll give you an even stronger example. Let's just say, um, I'm trying to think of, I'm just going to make an example. This is not real, but let's just say I, I'm, I'm really rude. I'm really in a terrible mood. I don't sleep. I'm hungry. I'm traveling. I mean, I get really grumpy when I travel sometimes. And let's just say I'm, I'm just so exhausted, such a bad mood, and I'm just really, really rude, right? I'm just, I'm just really terrible <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> let's say it's my wife, <laughs> okay? And so then the next day, I finally get some sleep and I wake up the next day and I realize, oh my God, I was really bad yesterday. So I can try to pretend, I can try to ignore it, I can try to pretend, or you can just say, you can just be really strong about it and just say, look, I'm sorry, I was an asshole, <laughs> right? You can insult yourself even. If, if you deserve it, just be honest about it. I'm sorry, I was an asshole yesterday. I was really a jerk. I'm sorry. It's my fault. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, please forgive me. That's it. It's so direct. It's strong and it's honest. You letting it go. And then they can let go more easily, especially if they care about you. They'll say, ah, oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> you were an asshole yesterday. It's okay. And then maybe you can discuss why. But when I usually when I apologize in the beginning, I don't talk about why. Because it just sounds like you're trying to sell or something. Like you're trying to persuade them. I find that the best apologies, you just say what you did wrong and then you say you're sorry and you can maybe ask for them to forgive you if, if it was serious. If it's a small thing, just say you're sorry, it's enough. But if it was bigger, if you really feel bad about it, you can say, you know, I was a real jerk, I was an asshole, I, I made a big mistake, I'm, I was stupid, whatever. I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then just shut up, don't say anything more. Don't just, after that, oh, Close your mouth. Let them think about it. And if they like you, <laughs> if they like you, especially if they love you, they'll probably say, okay, they might agree with you. Yeah, yeah, you were a jerk. You were a real asshole. Let them just let, let them say it because it's true. Say, And if they say that, you say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was. I'm sorry. Just say, I'm sorry again. People can't argue with that. That's what's great about it. It kills an argument. This is why it actually is a really nice, it's good for you. Because number one, like Tata says, you can get out the true feeling. You feel better immediately when you do this. But the second thing, it there's really no argument about it. So just imagine if you were, if you were just very strong, even exaggerated strong. If you say, I was an asshole, I was a jerk, I'm very sorry. What can the other person say? They're, how can they argue? They can't argue with that. All they can do is maybe agree, but you take a lot of the emotion out of the agreement. It, it really does help. Maybe the most they will do is they'll say, yeah, you were, you were a real jerk. You were an asshole. You know, you did this and you did this and you did this. You said this and you were, you were acting grumpy and you were doing all this. 
So then what do you say? You just say, yeah, you're right. I was. I was really an asshole. I was a jerk. I'm sorry. You just repeat your apology again. What are they going to do after that? They'll, I mean, after they say it a couple times, there's really nothing more. You're not arguing with them. You're giving no power to the argument because you're not disagreeing. You're not fighting against it. You're being so direct, so honest, so truthful. And you're honestly apologizing. You know, after one or two times, they're, I tell you, I know, try it. What always happens, they just say, okay, please don't do it again. Or okay, all right. And then it's done. It's done. It's so much faster. If you try the opposite, if you try to argue about it and make excuses, you know, look, I'm, I'm sorry, but... Hey, don't do this, okay? This is, most people do this. I'm sorry, but I was tired and you were, you know, yelling at me and I didn't get enough sleep and you were complaining and not helping me and blah, 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 blah. All these excuses, because, because, and, and, but, but, but. What will happen? The other person is going to get annoyed because they feel like, oh, you're making an excuse and you're attacking them. So now they're going to say, no, 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 you, da, 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 you, 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 you. And then you come back and then it's just an endless argument, right? Then the emotion, the trust goes down, down, down. Another good thing when you apologize, if you apologize to someone who, again, who you like or love, if they did something wrong, sometimes it's two people do bad things, right? Let's say I, I'm in a bad mood and I'm an, I'm an asshole. But what if the other person, let's say it's a friend, what if they also are in a bad mood? So they also say some bad stuff. They also do bad things. The next day we both wake up. We both feel bad. And I talk to them and I say, okay, I, I don't talk about them. I just say, I was an asshole. I was this, that I apologize. And I wait. Often they will say, okay, well, you know, I was also. And then they will often apologize after that if they also did something wrong. You don't have to demand it from them. They, Especially, again, if they're really a good friend or really someone you care about, they will usually then apologize. Now, if they don't, maybe they're not such a good friend, but... <laughs> Okay, Lisa says, I can only win if the win harmonizes, agrees with my innermost values. For this, I have to have character. I have to, tr I have, to have trust too. Because when I trust, I am open. I believe in the abundance mentality. This mentality opens alternatives, choices, options, and creativity. When we try to understand each other's point of view and work together, we can find a better answer for both of us, for all of us. With this attitude, we have a better relationship. Yes, to all of it. Good comment. Very well. Very well said. Yeah, so Motion says... Um, Hey there, Motion. Hope you're doing well in, uh, I think, Canada, right? Uh, tough times make us and make uh, trust in relationships. That's correct. Oh, here we go. Vladislav. 
Hey, Vladislav again. I had an example last year. I got a connection with a girl in 2016. She's from another city in Russia, which is far from Moscow. Together we had one, a one-day guided tour in Athens, Greece. Then we chatted by messenger. Last year we decided to go to Italy for 10 days. Nice. We even booked one room with two beds. We saved some money. But I regretted about this idea. We are very different. Finally, I could not stand her. <laughs> Means he didn't like her. And I would not talk to her. So we walked separately. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. It's a little funny, though. Um, <laughs> I'm only laughing because I understand this experience. So, you know, in my life, I've had some experiences like that. Um, yeah, right. It's it's those challenges, those uh, new experiences that test relationships. Sometimes the relationship fails the test. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe that's a good thing, right? You don't like imagine. Let's imagine Vladislav did not do that. Imagine he had the one good experience from from Greece with this girl. And then they just talked on messenger and then they decided, let's get married because they had this one nice experience. And then they get married, they move in together, and then they find out it's a bad choice, a bad relationship. Well, then it could be a big disaster, especially if they had children. It could be a huge disaster. So this is actually a good result, if you think about it, because they did a second trip for longer, or I guess for longer, yeah, longer, 10 days. And they were closer and together for a longer time. And they found out, oh, actually, ooh, the trust went down, not up. They found out they were too different. And, you know, good. Good he found out about that, right? It's a good thing to find out. It's the same with friends. It's You want to find out. If, if you can't trust them, if you cannot trust them, if they're not going to be good friends, you want to know, right? You want to know before you really need them or they really need you. I've had this many times in my life where I've found out through some experience and realized, ooh, this person, they're not a real friend. They're, I can't really trust them. Now, sometimes maybe, you know, it doesn't mean I hate them, right? It just means uh, the trust goes down. And maybe I decide uh, with this person, uh, that I give them about a three level of trust, not 10. They're only a three. So I'll do things with them. I'll hang out with them maybe, but I'm not going to tell them any secrets. I'm not going to trust them with if I have a big problem or if I need help. And also, I'm not going to give them a big level of help if, because they didn't earn it. So it goes both ways. Okay. Continuing. Ah, Motion again saying hi. Motion, I believe, is uh, just moved to Canada. Let me look. Yeah, it's 5 a.m. here. I was listening to you from 12 a.m. Wow, five hours. Your last show and some others from the past. Listen to your recent podcast. Also watched some YouTube. Well, fantastic. Thank you. And Maxim says, real friends you know in trouble, right? During hard times. Good point. For me, effortless English became a true friend. Ah, thank you. That's a nice comment.
Okay, Farshid, uh, again, pointing out, I think something we all understand about this is that uh, you cannot trust everyone. <laughs> honesty is the best policy. However, nowadays, most people take advantage of people who are honest. And they prefer not to stay honest anymore. At least we're not getting deceived. Okay, now there's a good point about honesty. Let's talk about that because, again, being honest does not mean to be stupid. Sometimes, many times in life, it's good to just stay silent or to say little, right? Be, to be honest, it does not mean share all of your big private information and secrets and beliefs and ideas. That's not a good idea. No, don't do, you don't need to do that. That doesn't mean honest. It just means don't lie. Don't try to cheat people. But if you meet, again, like imagine you're traveling, you're a tourist, some guy walks up, he starts talking to you, he asks you questions. Which hotel are you staying at? They do this, by the way. This has really happened to me. Where are you staying? Where are you from? How old are you? Do you have kids? What is your job? Why are they asking these questions? Because they're trying to find out how much money I have, where I'm staying, right? I'm not going to be honest to that person, some guy I don't know. That's crazy. I don't, I, sometimes I'll, I'll just, usually I just say, yeah, yeah, I, I just really give a general answer. Where are you staying? Downtown. I don't tell them the name of my hotel. Where are you from? I might, if, if it's obvious, I'll just say America. What is your job? I'm a teacher. I don't tell them my own, I have my own business and all this stuff. I just say, I'm a teacher. Or, often now what I do, I am a little rude to these people because I know they're trying to cheat me. I don't trust them. So I just tell them to go away. I say, I, I'll, I'm polite, I'm pretty polite about it. But I, they, someone comes up and starts talking to me that way. I just say, no, thank you. I put my hand in there kind of up towards their face, kind of blocking. I just say, no, thanks. No, sorry. Sorry. No. And I walk away. That's what I do. Okay. So I, you know, I don't have to be honest and answer all their questions. Who are they? They're nobody to me. They're just trying to cheat me. So I just put my hand up. I say, no, thanks. Sorry. And I walk away. That's usually what I do. So this is a good point about life. Again, it doesn't mean to be stupid. It doesn't mean to be foolish, right? Be careful with new people, especially with people you don't know. Yeah. Don't be too open and honest with them. Again, people have to earn it. That's all. You don't need to lie to them. Don't cheat them. But also, you don't have to share a lot of stuff. It's, you know, that's your choice. It's your private life. You don't have to tell other people about it. Vladislav, yeah, good point about my wife. All right. Okay, Nasser has a good point about the red pill, one of our favorite metaphors from the Matrix movie. Bad experiences about relationships can give us a red pill, right? That we wake up to the truth. Without the bad relationship, we don't, we can't later get a good one. Excellent point, Nasser. I agree completely. This is true for friendships and it's true for dating. Often, especially when you're young and don't have much experience, uh, it's actually useful to have those bad relationships. It's useful to have your heart broken. It's useful to get cheated on. It's useful to get lied to if you're not hurt too much. <laughs> it can be useful. Why? Because then you learn. You learn, ah, hmm. You learn the truth. You learn, ah, everyone cannot be trusted. 
it's true. Some people do lie. And you, you start to figure out how to really trust people. Who can you trust and who can you not trust? Something we have to learn in life. It's true. Okay, Kata with another good point. Be flexible with trusting. It's not fair to not trust anyone. Well, it, 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 you won't be happy. If, you can't, if you're always kind of, and you don't trust anyone, you're going to be very unhappy. So, right, there's, there's too extreme. Like, like I said, if we imagine it's, you know, zero trust means you really don't trust them. Like, go away! And 10 is super trust. You know, maybe you start at a five level with most people, and then you see what happens. Uh, but she makes the, the, the part I want to read here. Don't be foolish. Watch what people do, not what they say. That's the best advice possible for trust, for relationships, for friendships, for dating, business, anything, the news, <laughs> anything. Don't watch what people say. People, people are smart. You know, most people are smart. They're, even if they're not smart, they're clever enough. They're going to sound good. Liars are good talkers. Okay, liars are really good at talking and sounding good. Don't watch what they say. Everybody or most people say the right thing. Watch what they actually do. Then you know. Right? You watch people. Don't trust their actions. You know, this is great advice for young men. Don't trust what women say. Watch what they do. They will tell you all kinds of stuff, but it's not true. And women, it's the same, by the way, for men. I'm sure you know. Men are going to tell you all kinds of things, <laughs> right? If they are attracted to you. Well, watch them. Watch what they do. Don't just trust what they say, because they will say anything. So see, 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 years ago, I'm lucky I have good friends from when I was 18 until now. Yeah, see, it's great. Of course, so do I. I have, I have a, a, a few friends that I've had for many, many, many years. That's a great thing. Hmm. Yeah, Alexander with a good point about the apology again. Just to say, I'm sorry, isn't enough. It has to come from your heart. Then you feel better. Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying about being direct and really not making excuses and not trying to explain it too much. You just really, really open and honest about it. Because, you know, lots of people say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But they just, what, they're just trying to avoid you getting mad or they're avoiding the other person getting upset. They don't really want to talk about it. So they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then they just try to, Let's, let's not talk about it. But you kind of do the opposite. You just really direct and big about it. We'll talk about this more in this book, I think, uh, in one of the future chapters. We'll talk, there, there's, I think there's more about apologizing. And of course, the other side of that is, if you don't feel bad, if you did nothing wrong, don't apologize. Some people get in the habit of apologizing all the time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, even though they did nothing wrong. That's just kind of being submissive, and uh, it's a very bad habit. So don't do that either. Only apologize if you really feel bad, and you really, really, really were wrong. If you're really wrong, then apologize. If you're not wrong, don't apologize. 
Okay, even if the other person's very upset, if you feel, no, I, I was not wrong, let them be upset. <laughs> you, can, you can say things like, I'm sorry you feel bad. I'm sorry you are upset. You know, sometimes you do something and, and another person doesn't like what you did. But you're not wrong, right? This happens sometimes. You make a decision. Maybe it has a bad effect on them. They just don't like it. It happens in life. You're not wrong. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Maybe they're not wrong. It's just life. This happens, right? We don't always have the same agreement about everything. Sometimes you just disagree. So in those situations, you don't apologize because you're not wrong. You can, you know, the best thing to do is maybe you, you, you say, I'm sorry, but you're not apologizing. You're just saying, I'm sorry you feel bad, right? You're just basically saying, I wish you didn't feel bad. I wish you were not so upset. But you're not apologizing for your actions because you don't feel sorry, because you feel you still feel you did the right thing. That's okay. That's fine. Just because someone's upset, you don't have to apologize. Uh, okay, uh, Najmudin with a question about my book. How can I buy your book from Sri Lanka? You can buy the ebook is the easiest way. Um, try Kobo.com, K-O-B-O.com, Kobo.com. Just search for the name of my book, Effortless English. And then you can just download it. It's an ebook. You can read, read it. You know, if you want the paper book, you can order it, but maybe the shipping is very slow for some countries. So I think that, uh, I recommend ebooks usually. Now, this is a good point, and I, I and this is also true. And uh, I'm sorry I can't pronounce your first name so well. Vin, 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 Vince, Vince, Akos. <laughs> sorry for the bad pronunciation. I just read that those countries where the citizens trust each other, their economy works better. Right. High trust society, it's called. A high trust society or a high trust country. This is true. And you can, it's easy to understand why. In a, in a, if, a, if, because it's true for one, right? What we just said in the book about two people, right? If you have a high level of trust, communication is easy. Everything's easier and works better. Well, that's the same for a, a family or a group. It's the same for a whole country. If, if you have a country where there's so much corruption, so much cheating, everybody's lying, everybody's cheating, you can't trust anyone. It's, it, that will have a very bad effect on the economy, right? Because no one can trust anybody. So then it, it's hard to make a business. It's hard to make a good product because everybody's trying to cheat and lie. So the products are low quality. Nobody trusts each other. It hurts the economy of those countries. On the other hand, in another country or area, if there's a high level of trust. Japan's a good example of this, where I am right now. People trust each other. There's a high level of social trust in general, especially with things like business. Well, then it's much easier to do business, right? You know, if, if you have a contract, you know the other person is going to do what they're supposed to do. So you can make a good contract with them. In a low trust society, the contract, you can't trust it. You can write a contract, you both sign it, but they're you think, well, maybe they're lying, you, right? It's low trust. So it becomes much harder. It really hurts the economy and business in those countries. So this is very true. 
you know, a lot of the biggest economies and the places where business goes well, not all though, um, are high trust. So this is why, you know, building a more and more trust in a society, in a country, it benefits everybody, right? It's, it's also just happier. These are happier places too. When you can trust your neighbors, you're usually going to have a happier life. Okay, now here's another thing. We need, um, Sainawa says, uh, this is another example. We need nothing from tourism. We just need to test our English speaking with them. Do you think that we're, we are trustworthy? Right, so this is the other example um, that sometimes happens when you travel. Sometimes people will walk up to you, uh, especially someone like me who looks like I'm from an um, English-speaking country, and they just want to um, practice English. It happens. It depends on the country. Different countries are different. I usually can tell. Usually the, the people, the, the English students are usually a little younger. They usually have like a little notebook or something with them. And they're usually just, I can tell it's kind of normal, small talk. I, I'm usually okay to chat with someone like that for a few minutes. Uh, you know, the difference is it's the personal questions, asking too many personal questions. Uh, it, they're usually dressed kind of a little more like in a suit or something. There's just, I don't know, you learn when you travel, you learn kind of how to tell this person's probably a student. And the other thing is the students are usually very polite. And if you say you're busy, the students will just say, okay, thank you. And then they're done. If they're trying to cheat you and you try to leave the person, they try to keep holding on. They kind of, they try to keep going, right? They'll follow you and keep talking. Anyway, <laughs> my, my experience is traveling. Okay, I don't have friends at all. Well, you know, you have time. It's okay. Better to have, in my opinion, better to have just a couple very good friends than to have a lot of shallow friends. But, you know, some people like that. Some people have like just having lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Maybe they're not so close, but they just like having a big social life. Those are called extroverts usually. That's fine. It's not wrong. But, uh... I'm kind of more the opposite side. I prefer a very small social group that with a lot of trust. Right, Vladislav, what Vladislav is saying, I have hundreds of so-called friends, but I'm really close to a few of them. I count them by my fingers. You know, th this is a kind of a weak point of the language because... Um, maybe many languages, but certainly in English, is that we're using the same word to describe very different relationships, right? So maybe you have somebody you hang out with, you go and you, I don't know, you go to a bar once a, a, a week with them and just joke around. And that you call them, that's your friend. But then you have another person, you've known them for 20 years and you've had so many problems together and helped each other so many times. And it's this high, high trust. And we use the same word, friend. But really, those two relationships are completely different, right? We're saying friend. We say each one is our friend. But it's very, 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 very different, right? There's, they're not, it's actually completely different kinds of relationships. You know, we kind of need like new words to describe this, I think. That's why sometimes I'll say best friend. I'll add the word best uh, to describe my really close friends. 
sometimes with people who are the opposite. They're not close. Sometimes I call them an acquaintance. Acquaintance. Really, the dictionary in the dictionary, acquaintance means someone you know, but they're not really a friend yet. But sometimes, even for friends, uh, people I just hang out with, but I'm not close to, I sometimes will say that's my acquaintance, or that's just kind of a social friend compared to my real friend, or my close friend, or my best friend. So we have to use adjectives <laughs> to to show in English. We have to use adjectives to show the different levels because this one word, friend. It has so many different levels. You know, this is also true for the word love in English. Love, L-O-V-E, right? Love. We use this word love too much in English because it can mean many different things. Love can mean your husband or your wife or your parents or some, you know, such a strong, deep emotion. But love, we also say, casually, we'll say, I love pizza, right? I love pizza. So in that situation, obviously, it just means a strong like. Right? Oh, I just, I really like it. Tastes good. I love pizza. It's kind of this, um, this thing in English where we exaggerate often. We have that. We say things that are a little too strong to sh- add some emotion to it to make it more interesting. I love pizza. I love this music. Right? But, and then you say, I love this person. Obviously, it's a completely different emotion. It's not the same at all but we're using the same vocabulary word. So you have to understand the situation. So the word friend, the word love, these, you have to understand the situation. It's how you say it that can be very important and when you say it. Okay, this is a good point. Uh, Summary here from Rafikul. The goal of the emotional bank account is only to make deposits and build trust with others. Don't accumulate a high emotional balance in order to make planned withdrawals later. Well, yeah, that's right. You don't want to... The thing is, though, life sometimes, you know, you do have to make withdrawals sometimes. Why? Because we're not perfect and because life is hard at times that any relationship will have a hard time sometimes. You know, sometimes you're, like I said, sometimes you're in a bad mood. Sometimes you just disagree about something. Nobody's wrong. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. But we disagree, and that can create some negative emotions sometimes. Um, So these things naturally happen in life where there are some emotional mm, stress in any relationship. But as long as you add the positive emotions, you keep adding that trust, you keep the trust high, you keep that positive emotion high, then you can solve, you can deal with the problems. So it's not about avoiding problems. It's not about avoiding disagreement. Those are normal and natural. It's just about balancing them with a very high level of trust and understanding. Then you solve the problems. And sometimes after those problems are solved, you understand each other better and you're actually closer. Like I mentioned with my friend Joe, right? We had up and down during our trip, there were a few points where I was really annoyed with him. I'm sure there are several points he was annoyed with me. Okay. But overall, by going through all of that, we got closer. But after the entire whole experience, the ups and the downs, including the problems, by going through the whole thing together, the final result was a better relationship. And this can be true for any good relationship.
Hmm. Ah, here's Rafi saying, uh, I just got the book Rich... I got the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad the day before in the bookstore. It's really helpful. Yes, you should look at the recordings. We did the whole book for... Uh, I did videos for every chapter of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So you can always go back and look at the old book club lessons too. Uh, like Rafi saying, we did uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We did Animal Farm. And we did The Alchemist. Okay, yeah, Maxim has a nice uh, phrase for this. I call such close people my circle of trust. Yeah, that's a nice, I like that. If people who had the right principles and morally united, life on the planet would be better. Politicians, corporations, schools, banks will do everything to prevent this from happening. I think that's why they struggle with effortless English. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So it's finding those people that your circle of trust. I like that idea. I have, you know, basically I have the same idea. Like I have, um, I kind of think of it as my inner circle. And these are the people who I totally trust. These are people who I will, you know, really do a lot to help them. Also, so it's not just taking, not just I, I know that I can trust them and they will help me, but it, it's the opposite too. I will, I will do things that are very inconvenient for me and uncomfortable for me to help them. If they have a problem, I'll help them. If they were homeless, they could stay with me, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. That I would, it's kind of the same idea, my kind of inner circle. It's my close family and my closest friends. And then I kind of think of like I have a second circle that. I still would help them, but maybe less, <laughs> okay? Um, they're still, they're friends, but just not as close. And then there's kind of maybe the next circle, what I would call acquaintances, people I know. Maybe I have a hobby with them. Uh, you know, it's a generally positive relationship with them, but not a high, high level of trust. And then there's everybody else, <laughs> right? So I think that's kind of another way you can think of it, different circles. The inside circle, the circle of trust, you know, that's a very high level of trust. You're really, 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 really going to help them. And you know they'll help you too. And then maybe a little bit less close and a little, you know. So there's nothing to get angry about that or upset about it. It's just life. You know, we're kind of, we're social creatures. We're, uh, um, this is normal. It's very difficult to, um, you'll see different psychological studies and all this and different ideas, but, you know, the basic idea is that we're limited in our trust. We're limited in our ability. It's something like 20 people. Some people say 23, 25, whatever. People have different numbers, but around that where you can really, really, really be close to them. Why is that? Because relationships require a lot of energy and emotion and time. So it's, you can't be close to 300 people. It's impossible. You just can't do it. You don't. You don't have enough time or energy to do that. You, you don't have enough time and energy to really understand them. You know. So to, to, for that really, really, really close group, it tends to be twenty. Some people say maybe as much as fifty. Some people say lower, like fifteen or ten. Probably depends on your personality. Depends if you're counting family or not. But the basic idea, though, there's a limited smaller group. It's always going to be smaller, right? And then there maybe there's another group, which is kind of your social, positive social group, 
Maybe most people say that's something around 200 to 300 people. And then there's everybody else, <laughs> okay? <laughs> that, you know, maybe you, you try to be polite to them, but they're just not close. This is a nice, uh, Ibrahim has a nice comment that the most important thing is to be honest with coworkers, friends, family, and other people, even if the truth will cause problems for you in the short term. They will respect you more in the long term. They will respect you in the long term. That's a good point about it, yes. And we also must remember that honesty, again, like there's two points about honesty. Number one, you don't have to say everything. It doesn't mean you have to share everything. You can just stay quiet. You can be very vague and very, very general. The second thing is that even if you are saying something very honest and maybe it's not very comfortable or positive, um, that you, it, how you say something is also important, right? You can say the same thing in a very harsh, kind of uh, unfriendly way, like yelling it, yeah! Or you could say it in a kind of soft and gentle way. And you're communicating the same idea. It might be a criticism, for example. You can criticize somebody in a skillful way that is more positive. It's uh, better for them. They'll actually learn something. Or you can just yell at them, <laughs> right? And then they just feel bad. So you're, you're being honest in both situations, but you can be honest in a skillful way. You can be honest in an unskillful way. You can be honest in a kind way, and you can be honest in an unkind way. Okay, Zazlina, uh, good question. What if both people make a mistake? Well, again, I I think generally is take responsibility for yourself. I like my overall attitude is my general attitude is that. I focus more on myself. I'm not going to worry about other people so much. But still, so what I recommend is you apologize first about anything, any any real mistakes you made, right? Being Just being honest. Then you can wait for a minute or even wait for a day or a week. You know, let the other person really understand and hear and accept your apology. Then if you feel like you're you're feeling you're still upset by something they did because they did something wrong also, well then maybe that after that the second step is maybe you then talk to them. You say this is part of being honest. You say, "You know what? I apolo I did something wrong. I was wrong and I apologized. However, I'm also upset with you. I think you did something wrong also and I think you should apologize to me." So that's that's okay to do that. That's fine. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't mean you have to always be, you know, like you're below people. That's not what it means. Okay, Emmanuel again. Hey coach. Last question. Do you think in some cases it's better to be a bit selfish, only caring about you and not other people? Because I always react this way when someone wasn't that nice to me or loving they do not deserve it eventually because one of them would always be crying wolf to draw your attention yeah you know it's kind of what Stephen Covey's saying in this book is you've got to take care of yourself first so um, that's part of this right where you're not 
if you focus, some people only focus on other people and they're always, always worried about what other people think. They're always trying to change other people's minds and they don't have any confidence. They don't have any focus on themselves. They don't have their own goals. They don't have their own values. They don't have their own meaning. So it's easy for other people to control them. So in that way, yeah, I agree with you that like what the book is saying, you got to develop your own strength and purpose inside of you first. Then you can have better relationships, right? And yeah, sometimes you just focus on yourself. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you need to. But we can do both. We can do both, but it's kind of a two-step process. Uh, another point about apologizing. Some others don't accept sorry. They want the reason. Well, you do. You you can, uh, again, I don't know about reasons, but you can certainly uh, just be as super direct about it and open about it. I did this. This was wrong. This is this, 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 and just explain it. If they want to know why, then they'll ask you and then tell them. They say, well, why? Why did you do it? And say, well, I was tired or this or that. So certainly if they ask, you can tell them. Okay, uh, Alibay, I totally agree. We need to be more selfish as if sometimes as a friendly person who trusted a lot of people, gave them a hand, but at the end of the day, they just blew me off. I think we sometimes need to get the benefit of the doubt because there might also be good people. Right. So again, it's a kind of that middle way. Don't be too trusting. You, know, there, you can be too trusting of people. You know, again, trust is earned. That's another point I think the book is making, right? About an emotional bank account. The emotional bank account starts at zero with new people, right? You, you have no experiences, so there's nothing. Then it, then it goes up or it goes down with experience, with events. So maybe it goes up a little bit and then it goes down. So yeah, some people are too trusting. I was this way when I was younger. I was too trusting, right? I would immediately be kind of, oh, and just be really trusting in the beginning, maybe probably too much. And yeah, some people cheated me. And when I first traveled, you know, I've, uh, I traveled in areas and I got cheated several times, <laughs> okay? I learned from experience because I was too trusting. I was naive, right? Too trusting. Naive means too trusting. So I was very naive. And if, but quickly I learned. But, you know, you don't want to go... There's, it's possible to go too far the other direction where you're just too... You can put a wall around you and you're afraid to trust anybody. That's not good either because, again, you let people earn trust or not. So you just watch what they do. This is why with you build relationships through time with experience. I mean, why do you trust your parents? Hopefully, if you had good parents, why do you trust them? Well, they loved you. They took care of you for many years. That's a lot of strong, powerful experiences of trust and love. You don't, you don't give somebody new the same level of trust like that. They, they haven't earned it. And, you know, it's also you... So other people, don't be surprised if other people don't trust you so much in the beginning. It's also normal. You have to earn other people's trust also by 
being helpful and useful. And sometimes you make more of an effort. You know, there's also people out in the world that like to take, 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 and they never give. So you might find you in a new friendship or a new relationship, uh, maybe in the beginning, you're giving, 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 and it seems okay. But then after a while, you realize, wait, I'm always giving. They always have a problem. I'm always helping them. They're never helping me. And that's when you start to, again, you start to realize with experience, uh, maybe this person's not such, this is not such a great relationship, maybe. Or maybe you talk to them about it. You can talk to them about it and say, and then maybe they'll change. That happens sometimes. Okay, we are almost finished for our show tonight. Mm, who's going to get the last question? Hmm. <laughs> All right. I think we're about done. Oh, here's Carol. All right, we'll give Carol the last one. When we take problems as challenges and opportunities to learn something or build a better relationship, then we are again in a proactive attitude. Yeah, connecting it back to the previous chapters. Meaning we're taking control of the situation and we can choose to turn it positively. Well said. That's right. That's exactly right. It's a great way to think about it. See? These relationship problems, even the problems of trust, even the problems when you have a bad experience with someone and you realize, oh, this is not a good friend or a real friend or I can't trust this person. It's still a way to learn. So if you if you take this proactive, positive view, you don't then that's how you can keep a positive attitude about life and you can enjoy your life more. Good point. You know, like I said about my travels, you know, India was the place where I really learned about this, traveling in India. So, I, you know, I guess I could sort of, if I wanted to, I could think, oh, that, that was such a negative thing. Oh, they were cheating me and lying to me all the time. But instead, no, I, I think I kind of laugh about it. And I see those as learning experiences. It was really good. I learned not to be so naive. I learned how to identify liars better. I learned how people can try to cheat you when you're traveling and even when you're not traveling. So actually, I feel more safe when I'm traveling now. I feel more safe when I'm like even in the streets in the United States because I had those experiences. I'm smarter about these things. So those were great learning experiences. Really good. Very useful. Right? So... Exactly. That's a good point. And it's the same with any, you know, relationships, even a dating relationship where, oh, they broke your heart. Uh, you feel bad. Well, it's also an opportunity to learn something. So, excellent. All right. Um, great. I think we're done. Thank you, as always, for joining me in our live show. Our next chapter will be... Habit number one, two, three, four. <laughs> habit number four. We'll talk about habit number four, which uh, I think is about understanding other people, listening and understanding others, I think is our next 
habit for this book. We've got one, two, three, at least four more chapters, I think. There's four more habits and maybe a conclusion. We'll see. So we've got three or four more chapters still. No, wait, one, two, three, four, maybe five chapters more. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, join me. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Uh, say hi to me on Twitter. It's AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E. You can leave me a message on Gab, G-A-B.com, Gab.com, same account, AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E. Say hi. I always love uh, chatting with you guys. Sometimes I'm away, but I always come back. Lots of love to you, and I'll see you next time. As always, go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Speak powerfully. Speak fluently. Think in English. Join my VIP program. Commit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Effortless